Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Becky. Hi, everyone. Hi, Scott. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for joining my wife and I today as we bring our special guest all the way from the land of citrus and sunshine, Florida. So April O'Leary is our guest today, and a big welcome to her. She's dedicated to helping people live happier, healthier, and wealthier lives through creating a successful home business. She's an author of three books and has appeared on national radio shows to discuss the importance of healthy living. April lives an active lifestyle, which includes boxing, CrossFit, and running. In her spare time, she likes reading and going out with friends. She resides in Naples, Florida with her husband and three daughters. So welcome, April. Thanks so much for having me, Scott and Becky. Glad to be here. We're excited. Uh, just to give a little bit of background, I've, I've met April through social media, through a mutual friend, Shemaine Nugent, who has been on our podcast, uh, podcast number nine, if you want to go back and listen to that. Anyway, I just kind of get drawn to people who I see trying to make a difference in life, who are trying to add value and help others navigate. So I, I've, I saw that you've just been through a hurricane. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Hurricane Irma took us for a loop. Um, I'm in Naples, so that's on the Gulf of Mexico side of Florida. And so we thought it was going to go to Miami. My husband's from Miami, and he's been through many hurricanes. So he just thought, hey, we're going to stay. We're not evacuating. And uh, I was all right with that. And then as they were changing the cone, you're watching it and thinking, oh, my God, we're right in the past. Um, But it was kind of fun. I hate to say that. It was just like a very weird experience because people are without power. It was like being back in probably the days before the internet, cell phones and everything, because you're pretty disconnected and you were really ingrained with your community and helping your neighbors and, you know, helping people clear debris. And you're, you know, my business partners and I were collecting donations and bringing them out to more harder hit areas. So it was really just a very enriching time, to be honest. Wow. It's a time when you, when you watch people come together and help one another. It really was. I mean, you had like minor inconveniences, like, you know, no power and we were underwater restrictions for quite a while. So you learn how to use very little water, live on very little, you know, I mean, you're not running the dishwasher and running the water when you brush your teeth and, you know, taking really long hot showers and all of that kind of stuff. And, and you realize that you're very, you know, we're just so blessed in so many ways that we take for granted. And uh, it was a good realization of that as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I wanted to touch on something right after the Las Vegas shooting. I saw you post something. You wanted everybody to just write one word that described what they were feeling. And there was a a lot of uh, people going through pain and and expressing those words. There was a few that were writing uh, uplifting words and and writing grateful and happy. Uh, Just, you know, what is your takeaway from that? Um, You know, I view social media as really a means of communicating with people in an honest and open manner. I know a lot of people view social media as a way to sort of create some sort of fake poster life for yourself. 
And I just don't subscribe to that philosophy. I think that the more real and vulnerable we can be, the more social media can really be a way to help each other. And so, you know, after that shooting happened, I was just hearing so much, you know, kind of disparity, people feeling like, what is the world coming to? And, you know, what is the world we're raising our kids in and all all of this. And I thought it could be a way to just help people name their emotions, I guess, you know, as I, I've been a life coach since 2010. And one of the exercises I do with clients is really helping you identify the name of the emotion you're feeling like that can be helpful in the healing process. Cause I think we live life at such a fast pace that we often just, we don't know, like, am I feeling angry? Am I feeling hopeless? Am I feeling hurt? Am I feeling scared? Am I feeling, as you said, happy or grateful or whatever? What is it? And then how can we, how can we move through it together? Cause no one's alone, you know? And I think that's important to know too. Right. Our good friend, uh, Dr. Paul, good friend of our show, he talks a lot about the always finding the the good in things to in any situation, especially in that situation. Could it have been worse? Yes. If if one more person would have been injured or killed, then it would have been worse. And and so if we get ourselves to think immediately to um, you know we're grateful for that it wasn't worse. And when we have those moments, it just helps us and lifts us to a, a better spot. And so when I saw that, mm-hmm. book, I wrote something, I wrote grateful because I, I, I was, I was grateful that it wasn't worse. And, and then somebody reached out to me, one of your friends, uh, Susan, and we talked a little bit about that. And, and she expressed that she was going through a little tough time and she wasn't even really focused on that shooting as much as the fact that it was still within a week, within one week of when her son had committed suicide. You know, I, I, and then she was writing positive things. She said she was broken, but she capitalized the okay in broken. She was still doing okay, and she added that to the fact that her friends had reached out to her, and and she had she felt surrounded by love because of what you had done. I thought that was very nice that uh, that your friends felt loved. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, you know, and I think what's really cool about that, Scott, is it connected two people who didn't know each other. You know, you and she never knew each other. And now all of a sudden you're having a meaningful conversation based on, you know, a random post that you both were participating in. And I think really if you're open to it and open to the way the world works and every day there are people we can help if we're just open to looking. Right. Put ourselves out there. Yes. April, we're going to change gears here. Uh, What, what is, was your journey leading you to write three books and becoming a life coach? What has brought you to where you are now? Well, I, I was an at-home mom, actually, with three daughters under the age of five and struggled a lot. I mean, I have a degree in elementary education. I babysat my entire you know, childhood or teen years or whatever. I was a camp counselor, so I was fairly comfortable Um, with kids. And I can only imagine moms who have no idea what to do with kids, how difficult it can be. And, you know, take on top of that, that when you choose to, to be the at-home mom, which, you know, not, not as many people choose today, I guess that's a little more traditional, but um, it takes other tolls on your marriage because now you have one, one income earner and that can be stressful. And you've got, you know, one person who's really doing the lion's share of the childcare and that's 24 seven. And so my husband and I got into a really um, 
not a good spot, uh, sort of a rock bottom spot about year seven in our marriage. And it didn't look like we were going to make it. And fortunately, as would be the case, he, he sought help medically for some issues that he was having, which led him into a therapy. And so he's making some positive changes. And meanwhile, you know, I was thrown off kilter. You know, I didn't know because I think in a relationship, you each create your dynamic, whether that's an unhealthy dynamic or healthy dynamic, you know, it's just what you're used to. And so when one person makes a change, even if it's a positive change, the other person can be left like wondering what happened. And that's what happened to me. I was like the unhealthy person and he was pursuing a healthier path for himself. And uh, it just rocked my world. Like I didn't know what was going on. And anyways, what I came to find out was I had fallen into a lot of codependency patterns and enabling and feeling like, you know, I had to maintain everything to be perfect in order to be okay. And I had to make sure everybody else was happy and it wasn't okay if I did anything for myself. And I put all of this on myself, a lot of guilt and a lot of frustration that was actually very unhealthy. And uh, that led me to realizing so many moms struggle with that. And I I ended up after some therapy and all of that. And I just decided that that was my mission to help moms live happier, healthier lives with whatever choices they make, not necessarily being, you know, at home mom, like I was, but you know, whether they decide to run a home business or go back to to a traditional career or whatever, that each individual is really responsible for their own happiness. And if you're not happy, there are things you can do, um, to make your life happier without changing other people or other situations. It's not external factors that are contributing to unhappiness. It's our internal world. That's a lot of times to blame. I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, it is often internal that keeps us stuck. Um, And I love that your life mission now is to help other moms get unstuck, to be able to move forward, to become their best self. How do you help others do that? Well, I would say the biggest step that if someone can get the, this first step, it's like the rest can be smooth sailing. I'm not saying it happens overnight, but if you don't get the first step, it's almost impossible to change, which is number one, you're not the victim of your life. You have created the dynamic you're living in. And so to me, it's a powerful shift because it means I don't have to wait for anyone else to give me permission to make a change. I don't have to wait for so-and-so to change or so-and-so to be different or whatever. I can start learning more about what makes me happy. Who am I? What do I want out of life? Where have I allowed unhealthy boundaries to overtake me? And what can I change and shift? But if someone is stuck in the pattern that it ha- that if other people are contributing to their unhappiness or their lack of success, then there's really not a lot you can do because the reality is we can't control other people. Right. And so you really are stuck if that's what you think and you are unable to see that. And then the second thing really is, have you had enough? You know, it's like, like when I work with people on a healthy journey, for example, why is it that some people, if they're 10 pounds overweight, are uncomfortable enough to say, I'm ready to make a change? Because if I keep on this path, chances are next year I'll be 20 pounds overweight and the next year 30 and the next year 40. Like I could foresee that with the habits I have created for myself that that is likely the path and why is it that other people wait until they're 50 pounds or 100 pounds overweight before they say you know I'm ready to make a wake-up call so it's really deciding like where do you want to get off the elevator and can you see that the habits you've created are going to if you compound those over time and you don't change anything now where are they taking you 
And if it's a good spot, then awesome. You know, you're on the right path. But if you can see that it's kind of not going the way you want to think that somehow magically you can keep the same habits and it's not going to go more and more down that path is like insanity. Right. And, and I know that you've gone through some sobriety. How did you realize that you were in a bad place or a little bit of funk and pull yourself up? A little bit of a funk. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, it's, I think one thing that's interesting or exciting about life is you don't know what you don't know. Um, sometimes you can only look in the past to see the patterns you've created and see like, you know, they always say hindsight's twenty twenty. If you could write out on paper, like these were the results of these choices, let's say, and you can see a pattern, then you can say, oh, okay, there's a pattern, whether that's positive or negative pattern and, and decide what you want to do about it. So for me, um, you know, I didn't have a rock bottom moment where I was, you know, had an intervention or got a DUI or ended up in jail. You know, I didn't have, and that's not my story. However, I did notice that when I would go to a party, for example, or, you know, a concert or having happy hour with friends, one drink would turn into two, would turn into like turning a switch on. And I didn't know when to turn the switch off. There was no like conscious way to turn it off, if, if that makes sense. So it was like a trigger, you know, a trigger that, you know, for normal people who can drink normally, they might have one or two and be like, I'm totally fine. That's enough. Thank you so much. And and it was, you know, I never had that happen. I mean, I'm not to say I couldn't, you know, go out and have, have one, but it would be kind of like, what's the point? So I started seeing this pattern and I said to myself, if I continue this pattern, kind of like I said, just formerly, it's like, what are the chances that I might get a DUI? What are the chances that I could you know, something terrible could really happen. And in a moment of clarity, I said, this is highly likely to happen if I continue doing this, because I haven't proven to myself that I can actually drink responsibly. So when I started looking at the pattern and learning a little bit more about the disease of alcoholism, I started piecing it together that A, it was a disease, which helped me because, you know, my father had cancer. And so no one would say to someone with cancer, oh, shame on you. (laughs) You know, if you just had a little more control, couldn't you just not get cancer? Well, that's really what the disease is a disease. And it's also hereditary. But the other thing that I learned was that it's an allergy of the body. The way my body processes alcohol is different than other people. So, you know, in our, our day and age, we're very aware of food allergies. I mean, if you look at the labeling on any food package, it will say whether it's processed in a plant that processes nuts, because some people have fatal illness to nuts. And so to say to that person, well, why can't you just have nuts today? Because I could die. I could, we would never say that because we respect the fact that someone has an allergy and they also have a healthy respect for their allergy because nothing's preventing them from picking up a handful of nuts and putting it in their mouth. It's not illegal to do that. They just know that that doesn't metabolize right in their body and they don't want to suffer the consequence of that action. So for me, um, I really have a healthy respect for alcohol, and I know that for me, the way it reacts in my body is not um, the way it reacts for other normal people, and so I just have a healthy respect for the fact that that it's just just not the path for me. Something that you mentioned was the clarity, in a moment of clarity. And, you know, I think that the the clarity um, can come at any time. I, I would suspect that there were probably times prior to when I quit 
that I said to myself, and I know actually for a fact this is true, um, about a year, maybe a year and a half prior to me actually deciding to go um, make a serious change with that, I was at a family reunion and just went way overboard, totally embarrassed myself, didn't remember the night. I mean, I, I did, it was in front of my kids. I still haven't talked to them about that yet, like what they saw or remember, because I don't really remember it. And I remember thinking, I am never drinking again. I'm horribly humiliated. I am never doing it again. So I had that moment of clarity. And I really did stop for probably, you know, a few months. And then I said, well, you know, if I stop for a few months, I probably don't have a real problem. Mm-hmm. So then I just went back to the old habits, you know. So I think that people kind of go through that loop. And I would say, you know, back to sort of the example of people gaining weight, I would assume that as you're going down that path and you have to buy bigger clothes or you go to the doctor and you get a diagnosis that, you know, you might be pre-diabetic or, you know, you have these moments where it's like, I should do something about that. And then you're like, ah, it's too hard. Ah, you know, like you said, there's a work party, there's going to be, you know, drinking, there's going to be cake. It's not a good time. There's birthday, there's Christmas is coming up, you know, and um, the stars are never going to fully align for you to make a change. You just have to do it. And and so take me through a step here. When you walked into that first AA meeting, what was the feeling? Like? <laughs> were, you feeling were you feeling like, oh really, God. is this where I'm at? Or, or, or what, were you, what was going through your mind? Was that humiliating? That's was so it, funny. Was I really, it's so funny. I was just talking to a girlfriend about that the other day because that was a topic of a meeting just recently, like this week. And I can't remember my first meeting. Like, I don't even remember how I decided to Google where to go. And the crazy thing is, it's this little center that is, I drive by all the time. And I never knew it was there. Um, It didn't dawn on me. But when I went to that first meeting, I got a pamphlet and it had 15 questions on it. And I thought to myself, how can I adapt these 15 questions to apply to life? if you're ready for a change, because it's easy to see you need to make a change when it's on paper. Like if you answer yes to five of these 15 questions, for example, then you may have a problem. And I'm just making that up. But um, there was 15 questions. And I don't remember how many it was like answering yes to. I literally think it was like two or three. And I had said yes, and my head's like 10. And I was like, oh, crap. You know, like you can't argue with a piece of paper and questions. (laughs) So um and so my girlfriend, who has about the same length of sobriety as I do, and, and I said, God, I don't remember my first meeting. She goes, oh, I remember your first meeting. She goes, I thought, who is this? She goes, who is this PTO mom crying in the corner? <laughs> so, you know, I don't remember that. I don't, I'm not a PTO mom. I mean, I, I held out of school when I can, but I guess that was the perception she had of me then. Um Cause you know, we all laugh that like, we think, you know, an alcoholic is someone with a paper bag and a bottle and a trench coat, you know, under a bridge, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, you know, scruffy beard, you know, and yeah. uh, I mean, when you drive into the parking lot where I go, there's Bentleys and Rolls Royces and Mercedes and BMWs and professionals and doctors and lawyers and, you know, you'd be surprised. How many years uh, clean and sober are you now? Uh, I have 19 months actually. 19 oh, months. That's so good. That's so impressive. No, I, I yeah, I guess, I guess my, my, my charge would be for anyone listening to this right now, if you have sort of like butterflies in your stomach or you're feeling like maybe this is like, I'm listening to this for a reason, maybe I should, you know, do something about this. I would say, take that as a moment of clarity for you and just 
you know, show up at your local AA club and just sit and listen. And they say there's a saying in there that says you'll, you know, identify, don't compare. So listen and see if you identify with any of the things that the people are sharing. And if you identify with it, maybe you're in the right place. And if you're like, this totally isn't me, then you'll know it's, you know, not the right place for you or not the right time. But um, I'm a big believer in like a moment of clarity is a gift and it's to be respected. And because you don't know when you're going to get that again, if you just ignore it and you go back into your old habits, what's going to be the next wake up call? You don't know. Great, great tips. And 22 minutes goes way too fast. I had scrolled through your, <laughs> your, your Facebook and I saw a, a wonderful Facebook live that you just did a couple of days ago on anxiety. Anxiety. You, what did I say? You said anxiety. Oh, but sorry. Yeah. Anxiety is what <laughs> I was reading and what I thought came out of my mouth. But you gave yeah. some great tips there that I am just going to encourage our our audience to follow April on social media and visit your website at www.aprilolary.com. Did I say that right? You did. On your website, you're offering a free download of the home business matrix and a free home business uh, webinar. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think the home business might be for you. I, we just kind of go through three different types of models of home business and that's what the download is. It kind of helps you decide what is right for you. It's like saying if you, what exercise is right for me? Is yoga right? Is CrossFit right? Or is, you know, boxing right? It's like would give you the pros and cons of each and then you can figure out what might be the right path for you. Thank you so much, April. Appreciate you being part of the show today. And thanks so much, you guys, you have an amazing uh, podcast that I'm going to I subscribed and I'm going to keep listening. Thank you, April. And thank you to all our listeners. Make today the best day ever. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us. And please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.